Duck fans, it is so good to be back. I'm your host, Sam Ferris, and you know my amazing co-host, Ryan Ballas. We are here today with our good friends, Sabrina Ortega and Avery Fawcett. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We have a lot to cover this week, uh, including the Oregon game versus University of Washington, a top 25 matchup. Could be huge for the Pac-12 North race. We're gonna preview some top 25 games for you as well. Welcome back to The Breakdown. Last week, we played Colorado, handed them an easy L, if I may say so. Um, our defense was able to handle Colorado really well. The Ducks defense was absolutely Five. insane. Yeah. Dominated. I mean, held them to three points. It was a 45-3 to three victory. Um, it was a great game to watch. We had a few injuries. Ryan, do you want to dive into those any? Yeah, you know, the injuries I thought were really minimal uh, despite the injuries to the tight end position, which have really just continued all year, whether it's Breland, McCormick. Um, we wish you the best speedy recovery, uh, Jacob Breland. We hope you get healthy again and can play another year for us. We really do. Um, but that position is lacking a lot of depth right now. Um, look for guys like Spencer Webb, Ryan Bay to step up. Um, but other than that, thank God, Javon Holland and Troy Dye are starting again this week. Absolutely. Like, phew, a um, couple of scary injuries. But other than that, we're all good to go. Defense is ready to rock it at UW up in Seattle uh, at Alaska Airlines Stadium on Saturday. Absolutely. Sabrina, how are you feeling about our defense going in? They've been strong so far, but how do you think they'll hold up against UW's offense? Oregon's defense is here, and they're ready to compete. They're strong. I mean, they've held their opponents to single-digit numbers in the last five games, which is pretty incredible for a uh, Some Oregon records, for sure. Last time, I think yeah. it dates back to 1958, um, was the last time that that's ever happened. Obviously, one of the best defensive performances this year. Man, none of us can talk. <laughs> uh, one of the best defensive performances this year the Ducks have had. Uh, Avery, what like position groups did you see really excel? Was it the secondary, the linebacker core, the pass rush? What part of that Ducks defense do you think is shining brighter than the rest? I mean, in this Colorado game, it was a secondary. I mean, four interceptions. I mean, that's, yeah. that's impressive. Uh, I mean, it's only... We have a lot of leadership in the secondary, you know, Deandre Lenore, Thomas Graham Jr., John Hall, all of these these guys are just... Verone McKinley, right, had two yeah. interceptions and contributed with another one. Yeah, it, they're just like, almost like, seem like they're kind of their own competition, so you can do the most on defense. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and like, this working defense is really scary. I think we're third in the nation right now in points allowed. Everyone's all hype about this Wisconsin Badgers defense. They've only allowed four touchdowns, and they've also scored four touchdowns, right? Um, I don't think anyone's giving enough credit to the Oregon Ducks right now. Right. You know, um, everyone's all big on the Badgers right now because, okay, four touchdowns, four scored touchdowns, right? Um, but, I mean, this Oregon defense is just trampling people. I mean, we held Colorado to a field goal in general, the only – bad game this defense has had was the game against Auburn where it fell apart in the second half. But since that half, we've turned around and been able to show that Oregon can hold teams to minimal numbers every single game. And even then, I would argue our defensive performance against Auburn wasn't necessarily bad, right? Oh, no. um, we give up those 27 points, right? But they didn't lead the entire game until the last yeah. nine seconds. Um, and I feel like that nine seconds, obviously that defines the entire game, right? The Bo Nix touchdown pass. But 
I think if our offense had kept the pace they were going and didn't necessarily let up, let off the gas as much, you know, the Oregon Ducks offense racks up another 20 plus points in the second half. Um, yeah, the defense in that game, you can tell, was just tired. They were on the field so much that the second half, they just, they're exhausted. That's, I think that's why they started to break down a little bit, but yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, other than Verone McKinley, obviously, he wins Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year with his two interceptions. He has a tip that leads to another one. What other standout players did you guys really see break out in that game? We have to talk about Justin Herbert. I know he shows up every single game in the highlight reels, but he continues to lead this team, continues to score touchdowns. What is it at? 35 games now in a row that he's scored a passing touchdown? That is ridiculous. Yeah, you can trust that man to put the ball in the end zone through the air every game. Don't forget about his running game, too. That dude takes oh, yeah. three steps and he gets 10 yards. Uh. Yeah, with over six feet tall, I mean, he can carry the ball. He can pass the ball. He can do what he needs to do. He is that utility player that we have, and he can do what he needs to do to score. Pocket presence is something that a lot of people don't see either. They see the accuracy, the touch he puts on the ball. But that dude moves around in the pocket like we haven't really seen since I'd say maybe Marcus Mariota. Obviously not such a mobile quarterback as Marcus. Hashtag free Marcus, by the way. But, you know, Justin Herbert moves around in the pocket at a rate and an ability that we haven't seen in a long time in the NCAA in general. And, it's, you know, it's a, he's a very pro-style quarterback. You know, that's why scouts are so high on him. Um, so obviously, I think Justin Herbert as well. I think Bryson Young had a great game um, on the front seven as well. CJ Verdell, yeah. 171 yards. Yeah, yeah. great to see him. An injury, yeah, when he came out in the game. The last game I was really worried, but he did absolutely incredible against Colorado, was able to carry the ball really well. Jalen Red, dude is, touchdown. Yeah, 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 I mean, Five straight games with a receiving touchdown, that's just, I mean, it's like the same thing with Justin Herbert. It goes back to really accountability and being able to show out for your team, yeah. you know? Um, another player I really was impressed with was Juwan Johnson. You know, a lot of people were complaining about his drops and stuff, you know, he's still knocking the rust off, right? <laughs> he's been dealing with this foot injury all year. Honestly, my bold take with Juwan Johnson is that I think he should redshirt this season. Mm -hmm. um, this, that, he's only appeared in one game so far, um, you know, get healthy, get right, come back next year. Um, we're gonna have a young quarterback, whether it's Tyler Shuck or Butterfield or whoever it may be, right? Um, come back healthy and take the NCAA by storm. You know, whether it's the Pac-12, whoever it is, just blow everyone away. We play Ohio State next year, uh, but that's my opinion on Juwan Johnson. But. You're talking about his drops. We have to talk about our receiving course drops. We have one receiver, Micah Pittman, who's consistently caught the ball. After that, yeah, I mean, I would argue that Johnny Johnson has gotten a lot better, which I think yeah. we've, we've seen, right? Um, he's laying out for balls. He's putting, I wouldn't say more effort in to catching the ball, but he was obviously made that number one guy after you see Pittman, Schooler, and Juwan Johnson out, right? Um, he shows up and shows out throughout the first half of the season. Um, and I would put him in that category as Pittman as being like ultra reliable, almost at Breland's level, right? Breland pretty much catches anything you throw to him. Um, and he's almost, Breland's always open too, it's crazy. He yeah, it's almost like the defense for- He has really good agility. He's quick footed despite being a bigger tight end. He looks good on the field and can break past the safeties in the corners almost every time. 
but with the injury to our tight ends, with the struggling receiving core other than a few players, are we going to see more runs against UW? What are we looking at here for the main play attack on offense? Um, really, I think our offensive strategy has to be air it out and then let CJ Verdell do his thing. Right, because obviously Verdell can participate very well, not only in the run game, but the pass game as well. We saw that in the spring game, which I think everyone got really hyped about, right? You know, last season, we didn't see Verdell get that kind of pass action that a lot of Ducks fans are used to seeing, right? Think back to DeAnthony Thomas, Royce Freeman, Michael James. These dudes can catch the ball and run the ball really, really well. And so I'm expecting the Ducks offense to go out there and air that ball out. Let Herbert do his thing, right? Obviously we got Johnson, Johnson the third, Juwan Johnson, Brendan Schooler, Micah Pittman. Don't forget about Josh Delgado, who everyone has not talked about, but Josh Delgado is a very reliable target as well. Expect us to air it out and then get it on the ground. I'm expecting a lot of play action, um, whether we start out with the run or just continually pass. Um, but I expect kind of a mix of both. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think, Sabrina? Oh, I'm sorry. What, what was the question again? What do you think in our like offensive attack is going to look like against you, Dub, in this upcoming game? Yeah, so Oregon is heading up to Seattle this Saturday to play UW at 12.30 in the afternoon Pacific time. It's number 12 against number 25, two of the top five teams in the Pac-12. What are we looking at? I know UW is looking to bounce back from a tough loss in Eugene last year. What are you looking to see from UW? Well, for one, do not forget that we have some reporters covering the event for Duck TV. They'll be up in Seattle covering the entire game, so keep an eye out on our social media platforms for that. Um, yeah, Avery, what do you think? Uh, well, I actually think, so I was looking at some numbers and stuff, and the UW crowds have been getting lower this season. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting a full, a full house at this mm -hmm. game. We always go to the UW Oregon Rivalries. Yeah. They always, they always bash heads. To be packed house, uh, but I think you know we'll probably see a little bit more focus on stopping Herbert from Washington. They're, like that's going to be a focus because mm -hmm. we all know you know he's a Heisman candidate and he's playing like it lately. Uh, so we're going to be looking to, to stop him, you know, pretty heavily. Yeah, um, I think we see uh, almost as good of, if not better, of a battle this year than we did last year's fans, especially um, looking at it from an analytical standpoint. I'm I'm really excited to see what Jacob Eason does. You know, he's kind of been this guy that's been tossed to the wind sort of in the world of the NCAA. He was one of the top quarterbacks in his class. Uh, he goes to Georgia, gets injured, and the legend of Jake Fromm begins, right? Jake Fromm takes over, leads them to national championships, SEC championships, and so on. Jake Fromm, great player, right? You can't blame him for benching Jacob You'd Eason. You'd have to go with Fromm. You know? Jacob Eason just gets bounced around yeah. from place and to place he's, after He's that. a hometown guy from Washington. Uh, personally, I was kind of surprised he didn't go to Washington uh, when he was making his commitments. So he comes back home. He's behind Jake Browning last year. And now it's really his time. He's kind of had an iffy season, I'd say. Um, watching some of his highlights, so you can see he really knows how to place the ball well. Right, um, so I'm expecting a very big air game, especially against our secondary. Right, what can the Washington offense do to beat our secondary? Right, we have Javon Hall and Thomas Graham Jr., Diamador Lenore, Mr. Bump and Run, who is a sleeper for a far first round NFL draft pick. Right, um, we have Verone McKinley, Nick Pickett. 
we got Hockey Woods Jr. You know what I mean? We have so much depth in our secondary unit. I would expect us to be in nickel a lot of times if they're throwing the ball. Um, I'd look to see that and really hopefully see a strong pass rush performance. We have been seeing a stronger and stronger pass rush performance by the Ducks as Kayvon Thibodeau steps into his role as really the attacking leading man on our pass rush defense. How do you see him playing into this game, attacking Jacob Easton? What do you see from him and from our pass rush going into this game? Um, well, Kayvon's really, uh, when you watch a lot of his film, he's definitely a power style pass rusher, right? Uh, he moves to go hit the offensive lineman with all his force. He'll drive, 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 and then he'll use a move, right? He'll swim, he'll rip. Um, you don't really see him spin too much though. Um, so I'm expecting to really see him get more speed around the edge. Watch for him to dip that shoulder, come in for more strip sacks. Um, but in addition to that, um, I'm really hoping we see a lot more of Jordan Scott. There hasn't been as much noise around him this year. Um, again, just he's a nose tackle. A lot of people don't talk about him, but look for him to provide a lot of pressure up the middle. He was so crucial in that game last year um, against Washington making that stop on fourth and one. So look for him to make have another breakout performance, I'd say. Okay, last year the game came down to a few field goals, a few mm -hmm. minimal points. How are y'all feeling about the Oregon kicker situation? We've he made all those field goals against Colorado. He did, but he's missed them a lot of the times when he needs to make them. Yeah. How are we feeling when it goes into this important game, a possible very close game against a strong UW defense? Yeah. It's, gonna, it's gonna be really important. The field goals are almost, honestly, I wouldn't doubt, gonna determine the fate of the game. This is gonna be a close one, probably one of Oregon's toughest opponents yeah. this season. So. I think it's really important that the kicker pulls make our field goals and make our extra points. I would almost argue that I'd say fourth down and third and short conversions are going to be way more crucial than yeah. field goals. Um, we've seen Mario Cristobal earlier in the season, you know, they call him Big Balls Cristobal for a reason, right? <laughs> you know, this dude's going for it on like fourth and five or less. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'd say keep that mantra, keep that same energy going into Washington, right? I saw some tweet today that the dude's not sleeping ahead of the Washington game. Yeah. You know, this dude is a total football guy, right? Um, so rather than I think us taking the points, I can see us going for it on fourth and short um, a lot more than us kicking a field goal from 40 plus yards. You know what for I mean? Sure. I think at the beginning of the game, we might like see how Lewis is doing. Mm -hmm. If he's not hitting his, if he's not hitting his kicks, like we're probably gonna start going for him the fourth time. Yeah. Because you saw that kind of a little bit against Cal, he wasn't hitting these field goals, so Crystal started yeah. going for it more. Uh, and I expect to see something like that against UW. Yeah, for sure. I definitely see us trying to wear down their defense. They will get tired eventually, and then we definitely can start converting on the third and short, fourth and short down plays where we need to be able to to push it further down the field. I think a really overlooked statistic is time of possession, right? This Oregon offense needs to hold that ball. We're fam Our school is built on quick strike ability, right? The University of Oregon Ducks football team is built on speed like De'Anthony Thomas, mobility like Marcus Mariota, and deep strikes to, I don't even know. You know what I mean? <laughs> to Micah Pittman, you know what I mean? Um, it's built on these huge, really big shock and awe plays, right? That's what this entire program has been built around since that, that pick six against Washington, which is a 25 year anniversary this year. That's what this program has been built around, right? So I would like to see the Ducks 
hold the ball more and force that defense to get tired, right? Then hit them with the chunk play, right? Get those gains of 20 yards. Throw that 27-yard touchdown. Um, let C.J. Verdell do his thing in the open field. But if the Ducks are going out there and scoring really quick every time, it's going to lead to our defense getting tired, which thankfully we have a lot of depth, right, and leadership on that side of the ball. Um, that defense has really been trained for that. But that offense needs to do their part and maybe slow the game down a little bit. Yeah, I would definitely say we need to run the ball. We need to be able to just punch it through the line. We need to wear out the linemen so that when they're coming for Justin Herbert, he's not worried because they're tired out and he can move around the pocket like he needs to and make those deep passes and have the time to make those passes. Speaking of really big impact players, Cyrus Habibi Lakio. Um, I know we've kind of harped on him for his performances in last season, right? Just kind of being that dude who snakes out touchdowns from Verdell um, and die. But this dude's had six touchdowns in the last five games. Um, he's really been showing out. We need him to have a big performance, right? He's that bruising back that the Ducks offense needs, right? CJ Verdell can obviously run through people, but me and him are the same height. We're both 5'9", <laughs> right? He's not tearing at, you know, he can do only so much. Travis dies more of a yes. slippery back. Um, Cyrus Abibulikia, what do you guys want to see from him this game that maybe, we've talked about him putting himself on the map, but what performance does he need to have this game to really put himself up there? Coming in for more than just on the goal line. I would love to, I, I love Cyrus. I would love to see him come in, mm -hmm. in midfield. You know, not when we were within five yards of, of the end yeah. zone. Which we've I, seen a little bit, but... Yeah, and uh, I think I think with kind of how Troy's been, or sorry, Travis has been playing a little bit, you've seen more of Cyrus. Yeah. I would like to, I would like to continue that trend. I, I think he's pretty reliable. He gets the job done when we ask yeah. him to. And, you know, he is that power back that we really need. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when Verdell had to come out in the cow game, we got to see him a lot more. We got to see him highlighted much earlier in the field than the last 10 yards and then in the red zone. And that was really great. It gave him the confidence he needs to have. He needs to build up that confidence and his desire and push to want to be on the field for more than just the touchdown drives. Yeah, and you know, I think he wants to be there. So I'm really excited to see how the Oregon coaching staff utilizes him as well. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting to see how like, like the Chip Kelly era, how our team has changed. Cause like when, when Chip Kelly was our coach, we, allow 35 40 points a game but it's okay because we scored 50 or 60 points mm -hmm. you know and like how our defense has like improved and our offense has like has slowed down a bit yeah. it's just cool like how Chris Paul's done this change so we definitely we're almost like building more pro ready players too mm -hmm. we haven't seen a lot of people come out of the school ready for the NFL like none of them a lot of them have had a lot of success mm -hmm. on the offensive side and so I think the way that Chris Paul's building this team I mean getting them ready, it's actually, I think it's, he's doing a great job of preparing yeah. for them. And I guess we'll see in the next three to four years how the Oregon Ducks players translate into NFL prospects, right? Sure. I think that also is due in part, you know, having more pro-ready players, a more pro system, uh, program, is the change in the defensive leadership, the defensive coordinator position. Um, obviously it's paying off, Right? Um, so I think this Saturday, though, is really nut up or shut up time, honestly. Since Pac 12 plays started, this is our biggest game. It's probably going to be our biggest game other than Auburn all season with how it's lining up. I mean, other than us versus, I'd say, ASU, yeah. U of A, and USC, which could yeah. potentially be the Pac 12 championship match, um, this game is incredibly important, not only to the Oregon Ducks fan base. 
I will say. You know, every Oregon fan, including myself, hates UW more than I'd say Oregon State or any yeah. other team, yeah. right? Um, obviously, it's Husky Hate Week for a reason, you know? <laughs> so this game has more emphasis, I think, on the impact of the Oregon Duck season than any other game um, this season. And the Pac-12 really. in general, really. I mean, the Pac-12 is known to just cannibalize itself. Everyone's yeah. beating everyone in the Pac-12, so there's no real winner within yeah. the Pac-12. That's yeah. why we haven't really gotten picked for the playoff at all. Yeah. Because teams are beating teams, and so our record's like, eh. Yeah. Speaking of which, we have a great slate of Pac-12 games this weekend. Uh, Sam, which games are you looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to, obviously, Oregon UW. We'll get more into that. But I have to say ASU-Utah might be the best matchup of the Pac-12 this week. They're the two highest-ranked matchups, and it's going to be an absolutely amazing game. The offenses are going to be firing on all cylinders for both teams, and the defenses, while they might not compare to Oregon's quite yet, will definitely be keeping up with each other and will do a good job competing. Um, I'm also very excited following that tough loss to Oregon. Colorado has to be able to bounce back against Washington State. They have to do a good job and just really show out and come back from scoring three points in a game. <laughs> yeah, look for Steven Montez to kind of have a comeback performance. You know, that dude can sling the rock, obviously throws the four interceptions, but I'd look for him to maybe have a more standout performance against a struggling Washington State team. Uh, speaking of which, my hometown Arizona Wildcats facing off against the USC Trojans at the Coliseum at USC. Uh, I'm looking for Khalil Tate to have a really big game. You know, he's the hometown kid from Inglewood, went to Sarah. Um, look for him to have a better game this time around at USC than he did two years ago. Um, in addition to that, you know, Arizona's wide receiver court, the depth just continues. Last week, Jamari Joyner scores on that 40-yard strike against Washington. You know, Arizona lost. Um, I wouldn't say Washington had a beat down on them, um, but obviously it wasn't a very super close game, um, which was disappointing for me as a hometown Wildcats fan. Um, but look out for Agent 86, Stanley Berryhill. I'm predicting him to have, to have another big game. Jamari Joyner just keeps going. You know, he switched from quarterback to wide receiver for the benefit of the team. Right, um, This dude's a very big team player. He's a hometown kid from Tucson, played at Sienega High School, was one of the best mobile quarterbacks in the country. He had offers from Alabama. Um, you know, this dude can play any position on the field, right? And he chooses to switch from quarterback, which he's wanted to play, right? Um, I've spoken with him. He wants to play quarterback, and he makes that switch to receiver, and he's been balling out this season. He's all for the team. He's making the sacrifices where he doesn't get to play quarterback just because he wants to win. He wants this team to have success. He's doing what he needs in order for that to happen. Um, on the defensive side, which Arizona's really been lacking um, for since the Desert Swarm era, I'd say, or maybe like since the Nick Foles era when they had Ricky Elmore. Um, you know, Kyle Wilborn is really important. The other number 14 on the Arizona team other than Khalil Tate, right? Um, look for those dudes like Troy Fields have big games against this USC offense that's been kind of revamped since JT Daniels had that awful ACL injury in the first game. Um, yeah. Awesome. After Pac-12, we have the top 25 pickums. We're not going all over all 22 games that include top 25 teams, but we are going to start with number 17 ASU versus number 13 Utah. Where do y'all see them ending up? How close do you see it? Who do you see as the winner? Well, I mean, I want Arizona State to win because that means we look better than yeah. the <laughs> We look so much better. But 
I just don't know how Arizona State's going to stop Zach Moss. The dude's an absolute beast. We saw him tear up the Beavers. I mean, who doesn't? But, I mean, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a game. I, I have been telling you that game. Um, I, <laughs> being a lifelong Arizona fan, I don't want to say I want Arizona State to win, but I would love for the Sun Devils to go in there, um, go into Rice-Ackley Stadium, and whoop some ute butt. Uh, I got the Sun Devils winning. 31-21. Yeah, I have a pretty close game. I do have Utah coming out on top. They've had a better performance consistently than ASU. I think they're the more dominant team in the Pac-12, much less the NCAA in general, but we'll have to see. It'll be a close one. Yeah, I'm with Sam on this one. Uh, I think the home field advantage is just going to go straight to the Utes, and they're going to take the double on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we have number 16, Michigan, at number 7, Penn State. Uh, a really big matchup here for the Nittany Lions, as well as the Wolverines. A time for both of them to maybe kick it back into gear. Um, Sabrina, what's your pick? My pick is definitely going to be Penn State. That, that stadium is like no other. I think it's going to give Michigan a real hard time. I think both of these teams need this win. It's going to be a really tough fight. I think it'll be back and forth, but I do think Penn State, I'm going to have to agree with Sabrina, is going to come out on top. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to go with the upset alert on this one. Watch out for number 16, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> I think Harbaugh kicks it back into gear, gets his team a crucial win. I think that'll knock Penn State out of the top 10, which, woohoo for the Oregon football program. Um, and then it'll knock Penn State out of the top 10, maybe launch Michigan three or four spots up, um, but be on the upset alert for that one, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Michigan's going to come in with heat. Like, they're really going to think this is a, this is a big game for them. Yeah. I think they're going to try to knock Penn State off. But playing at Penn State, it's not an easy thing to do. It'll be a close game. Is. One possession. It'll be a one possession game. Okay. My favorite matchup of the week, other than the Duck games. <laughs> University of Texas, my hometown of Austin, versus Kansas. Texas is at number 15. I have to pick them over the Jayhawks. They do struggle every year with Kansas, but as they're coming off that tough loss against Oklahoma, they're going to be mad. They're going to want the win, and they're going to want to just destroy Kansas in this game. Uh, I agree with you. I think Texas blows out Kansas. Um, Kansas sure has never so. really been a football school, so um, I think they blow them out of the water. Good, good. I like y'all's <laughs> decisions. I like y'all's decisions. Unanimous Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, we have the Auburn Tigers at uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. How are you guys feeling about that? Arkansas brings some kind of energy to their football games. They've been struggling for decades, I would say. Auburn, it's been not bad, not some standout amazing season for them. The best game really was the game against Oregon. That was their closest, hardest-fought battle. Don't forget against Texas A&M, though. That is true. Texas A&M did put up a front, but I see Auburn coming away from this game with the easy win. Yeah, that off Auburn D-line is going to smother them. It's, it, I mean, I don't think it'll be super close, and I think we might even see a defensive touchdown by Auburn. Yeah. yeah, Brown, number see. five on that defensive line, on the Auburn defensive line, is just Seeing an absolute monster. He's a unanimous first-round selection oh, yeah. he should, next yeah. year, um, which he rightfully has earned over yeah. his performance. Um, but yeah, I got Auburn winning big against Arkansas. Um, that defensive line is just going to clobber Arkansas's yeah. offense. But shout out to Boyd, number five on the Arkansas offense, a last chance you alum. Always love watching him play. Uh, but I don't think it's enough to overcome Auburn's defense. I don't either. 
Okay, next up, we've got number nine, Florida versus South Carolina. Florida's had an interesting season, a lot better than people were expecting them to. Do you think they deserve the top 10 spot, and do you think they're going to come out with this win against an SEC rival? I really love Trask's, Trask, um, their new quarterback. Um, I love his story, right? Yeah. He grows up this longtime Florida fan, is a backup quarterback to Derek King, who's the quarterback at Houston who just redshirted um, his entire high school career. He goes to Florida, and now he's getting his time to shine. Right? It's kind of this picture perfect story that Madden almost puts you in in face of the franchise, right? <laughs> yeah. In QB1. You know, I'm, I'm hoping Florida goes in there and beats South Carolina, but I'm really worried for them, th more so than I think than Penn State for the upside alert, because South Carolina is coming off that huge win, right? Against Georgia. Yeah, um, I'm looking for the Gamecocks on upset alert. I got the Gamecocks in this one. See, I, I don't think they're going to do two in a row. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Oh, Avery has no I think it's a close game. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a close game and a great game to watch no matter it what. It really will um, be. I think it comes down to one or two possessions, though. For sure. You Me know? Uh, moving on, right after that, we have number five, Oklahoma, with perhaps the best Heisman candidate we've seen in years based on just his story and background, Jalen Hurts, against that West Virginia team, which has been up and down this whole year. Uh, Sabrina, who do you have in this one? I, I gotta go with like, Hurts. Did you see? That little behind the back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam doesn't want to talk about yeah. that one. A little sad. OG Heisman moment right there. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful play. He's a smart quarterback. He knows what he's doing in the yeah. pocket. Great guy. Super humble. Dedicated to just working and refining his craft. I mean, even more so since, you know, the whole thing with him into uh, like the battle for that spot. Now he's yeah. in a place where he's thriving. I think leaving around his spot have himself a three-time Heisman dual threat QBC. Yeah, and then look for Spencer Absolutely Rattler right after that. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Oklahoma's got that dub, that quarterback. Sam, it you is... better be worried for the next few years for that God, reputable Sam Ellinger's going to graduate from Texas, and I don't <laughs> know what happens that? after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got Oklahoma winning big in this one. Expect C.D. Yeah. Lamb, another big performance. What, he gets three touchdowns against Texas? I know you don't want to talk yep. about it. Let's but just keep talking dude, about the Texas you know, game. I, I got C.D. Lamb on my big, big NFL draft board over Henry Ruggs, over Jerry Judy, over all those Alabama guys. I have C.D. Lamb. That dude is shifty. And I'm going to look for him to make some more plays in the open field against West Virginia. Not even the open field. Dude's surrounded by four Texas defenders and scores a touchdown. I know you don't want to talk about it, but CD Lamb is just... In. It hurts. Okay, let's move on. No. Number four, Ohio State versus Northwestern. Who do you see coming away with this win? Justin Fields is the next best Heisman candidate next behind Jalen Hurts. Yes. Right? Um, I got Ohio State big. I do. Easily. I mean, this match is always like pretty good going into it. It always seems like it's going to be close to them. There's always some hype around. People it. always some hype up Northwestern for some reason. Same Northwestern against Stanford. It's like, oh, I know. Why? <laughs> yeah. What every single year. Great? Yeah. Yeah. Northwestern does pull out those big wins. Like I, I don't know. And they have like a, they have like a special news fan about them too, but the football program. I don't know what it is about Northwestern, but Who Ohio knows? State's winning now. I think by by a big margin. Yeah. Sabrina. Yeah. Who do you have? Yeah. Uh, then we also have Clemson, number three Clemson at Louisville. Um, Louisville, Lamar Jackson was the greatest thing to ever happen to that program. Um, but we have seen Clemson struggle this year, right? Um, 
they were at North Carolina. North Carolina botches that two-point conversion. Um, awful play call. But, you know, okay, we've seen... <laughs> we we have seen this Clemson team struggle on the road a little bit. Um, they worked Florida State last week, which whew, for any Ducks fans anywhere, that's a good thing. But um, I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking for more of a close game than I think the over under suggests. I think it should be a closer game in Clemson. I don't understand what happened yeah, Trevor between Lawrence last is really year and this game. year, but Trevor Lawrence. He's changed as a quarterback almost. Would, would you call it a sophomore slump, or would you just define it as maybe he's just having some trouble? I don't know if it's quite a sophomore slump. It honestly might even be jitters from coming off last season. Yeah. He comes in as a freshman and wins the freaking national championship. I mean, he's going to be nervous trying to do that again, and you've been able to see it in his gameplay. I think that... I think it's too early to maybe call it a sophomore slump. You know, the ACC is a really weak division in general. You know, Clemson's that best team every single year. Um, so it, I think it would be different if it was him playing in a division like the Pac-12, the Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, where you're facing strong opponents every week and you have to be 110% every week, right? Which we've seen from guys like Joe Burrow, um, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert. You know, we've seen this from top performers, right? So I think it's difficult to maybe call it a slump when we're not seeing it against the competition that he'll face week in and week out if he was in another division or the NFL. Um, so I'm kind of waiting to see if I define it as a sophomore slump, but he definitely has not been playing up to par where anyone expected him to do. Yeah, yeah. Sabrina, who do you have in this game? Uh, definitely going to take... Probably Clemson. I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but they're going to come out with it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have number two LSU versus Mississippi State. At Mississippi State, LSU climbs those rankings to number two. Um, they still have a lot of big games to play. They have huge games coming up in their schedule, especially after Mississippi State. And the Mississippi State team will bring the energy to the stadium. They do have home field advantage, but LSU is on such a roll that I don't see them losing anytime soon, honestly. I think Joe Burrows really has another great performance. Another guy who I think he's in the Heisman conversation, he right? But right now, it's I think it's between him, Hurts, and Justin Fields. For sure. Right? Joe Burrow is the best quarterback I'd say LSU has probably ever had, yeah. right? Um, I'm really excited to see what he does at the next level, to be honest with you. Let's see if that corresponds and you can finally have like a full <laughs> full 22 LSU roster with a good quarterback um, but yeah I have LSU more or less by 10 to like 17 points in this one not a total blowout but I do think they pull away yeah I do too okay final matchup number one Alabama versus Tennessee Tennessee season has quickly declined it continues to go downhill, and Bama just continues to win. I mean, their closest comparison I can think of for any sport is the Dolphins. Just a total and utter dysfunction within the pro Yeah, disaster. You know, you have a couple guys leave the program after Tennessee, right? You have Minka Fitzpatrick request a trade off the Dolphins. It's kind of the same thing. You see this really... I don't want to call it terribly run because obviously none of us are in Knoxville understanding what's happening, but it's not good, right? Um, and so obviously that program needs to turn around. Um, I don't think they get anywhere close to Alabama. I would love to see them put up a fight, but I think that Alabama receiving core blows them out of the water. I think it will be 
just absolutely implodes on their defense. It's funny how Bama like started out like kind of, you know, almost slept on a bit as much as Bama can be, you know. But well, they were ranked number two, right? And they finally hopped Clemson when Clemson struggled against North Carolina, right? They finally hop into that number one seed, and they're now in the driver's seat, right? Oh, yeah. They got in the number one spot, and they haven't looked back. They just, yeah. They've taken over. Yeah. They've, it's insane. Yeah. And they've gone from having, you know, at first, the beginning of the season, it was Jerry, Judy, and Henry Ruggs, and now it's also Waddle and Devontae Smith. Like, they've added, it seems like, insane receivers. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. We're halfway through the regular season. Who do y'all see being the top four teams that go to the college football playoffs? I can tell you it's not the Oregon Ducks. You know, as much as it really hurts to say, the only way Oregon gets in is if Auburn beats Alabama. And I just, I genuinely cannot foresee Bo Nix as a true freshman doing that at this point, right? Um, I think we make the Rose Bowl. I think we go in and take a W down in... Uh, in Los Angeles. I think it's going to be great for the program, uh, great for the university, great for fans everywhere, right? This brand, this Oregon Ducks brand extends to everywhere across the globe. You know, um, I know today I just bought a Rose Bowl shirt at the street fair f f from the 1995 game, right? Those, those games stick with this program and this university way longer than I think, you know, obviously a national title would be great, right? But I just don't think, nice. I don't foresee yeah, that yeah. happening right now. You know, it's, it's not it's, this year and probably not It's very not the much next. not in our hands. Yeah. You know, which is unfortunate. You know, that tough Auburn loss. But I see I see Alabama being the fourth seed. Okay. I see Clemson being the third. Okay. I'm gonna see Ohio State at number two and LSU at number one. Interesting. I believe there's an SEC bias when it comes to having those big yeah. games with those losses. If LSU beats Alabama, Alabama is not going to drop yeah. out of the top yeah. four. And so I think LSU hops in that number one spot, which is probably it's going to be one of the biggest games the Tigers have had because they'll rematch Alabama if it's one versus four, yeah. right? Um, but for me, that's my top four. I'm going LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Okay, I see where you're going with it, but I do see, I see Clemson dropping. I see Clemson going number five. They don't play good enough teams to where if they continue to struggle the way they have been, yeah. they don't deserve a top four. With how Oklahoma's playing, how Jalen Hurts is playing, they play decent teams. Texas is not a bad team, and they played them in the Pac-12 or in the Big 12. This has that prestige that yeah. a lot of other universities and football programs don't have, exactly. right? You know, the Longhorns are something really special, and I think. And obviously every year when they play each other it's a big it's a big game, game. it's you know? the biggest game a different atmosphere i mean when you're there the crowd is it's the loudest thing i've ever heard so i have to go with oklahoma at four ohio state at three lsu at two and bama at one i see bama winning out and controlling the sec okay. but do you think if so who wins alabama lsu then bama you think bama does I you think, think lsu wins. stays at number two I do. Or do you think they move back and then move up? I do think they move back after the loss, but once they start winning again, we'll move mm -hmm. back up to number two. I see yeah. the SEC controlling the top two spots. Sabrina, what do you think? Well, I think Alabama's just going to hold on to that number one seed like it always does. And then I, for number two, I have LSU staying there. And then three, I actually think Clemson's going to drop to number four, and Ohio State's going to come in. Okay. okay, so just a little rearrange of the top four as it is currently. Yeah, see, I see Bama being LSU, beating LSU and then LSU dropping to five. So Bama number one, Ohio 
State number two, Clemson three, Oklahoma four. Okay, wow. And then, I mean, I would love to see a Hurts to a matchup. Yes! I would my, love yes. to see my, it. My big prediction, Jalen Hurts is going to beat Tua Tagovailoa in the Alabama Crimson Tide in the college football playoff, and Jalen Hurts is going to complete his massive character arc in the world of college <laughs> it's football. It's all a story. Well, I mean, it truly is, right? Yeah. Sports is, is storylines, and Jalen Hurts has the, one of the best ones we've seen he does. in years. I'm a huge fan of his. He's cap it off. Yeah. He's ready know, to come full circle. Uh, bring, bring Boomer Sooner Nation. A championship. I know you would hate to see it, but I mean, can you imagine? He loses it the would starting be beautiful. spot, goes it's to another beautiful. school, beats his former team, and then goes on to win the championship. I mean, that's just unheard There's, of. It's you the princess I mean? story of all yeah. it, men's it really football. Is. Um, and I would love oh, to yeah. see that happen. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, thank you for coming and watching episode two right here of The Breakdown. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date with everything Ducks sports. Make sure you keep an eye out for our reporters in Seattle this weekend uh, at the UW game up in Seattle. Thank you for watching. We'll see you in a week. This has been The Breakdown.